FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motorsport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmex.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. The Kane after the race was like... Do you think that was my fault? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that my fault? Yeah. Even even walking out of there with a podium, I felt like it was a win just because of how gnarly the track ended up being it for the for the main event. I didn't do it. I mean, I didn't even think it was possible. I mean, it was a big – you had to want it, pretty much what we both agreed to. And, <laughs> right. Like, hey, man, we can win these damn races. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much uh, – yeah, we're, we, we, ain't, we ain't making no money on the ground, that's no, for sure. No. <laughs> Dirt bikes. <laughs> the only thing he's throwing in is his pants. This MotoZone dude is fucking him over. Don't be an asshole about it. Like, yeah, fuck MotoZone. The truth will always uh, set you free. Justin Brayton, fifth best Supercross racer. Uh, Tom Brady, loser or not? I heard this just egregious take by JT. Oh, where oh. Dan Fahey isn't like um, Ted DiBiase with a briefcase of money <laughs> giving it over to Bodner. Hey, let, let Anderson race, you know? Fly gives me a bunch of money. Perfect length, like eight inches. When you're on a merry-go-round and you go round and round and round, you get really dizzy. Is it possible that Webb was going so, around so many laps? <laughs> he got dizzy. We gotta go. Cares about your stupid time. We will talk to any idiot in the pits. I mean, I'll, I'll race anything for a dollar, but the type of people that would blindly put someone up without meeting them, I don't know if I want to be with. Okay. What the fuck happened on Saturday? We had about five minutes where there was ten million dollars laying on the ground. <laughs> My first instinct was that. Russia had just launched a tactical nuke, and this was the prelude to us all dying. Like, it was yeah. that, it was just weird, because I feel like everyone hates Steve. They can't even take the time to Google how to use the word. It blows my mind. Blows my mind. But are, we just, their... are we just living in a world of morons? Yeah, I don't know. Sure, yeah. Right on. Cool, man. Maybe we'll see it. A big let's crap on Kellen Fest. We should have been... learned, learned our lesson with Zacho. Nothing I hated more. Wow. <laughs> Lots of things I hated more. Your fucking adrenaline is going. You're about to race a race, and you need a fucking jacket to stay warm. <laughs> we're back, and we're counting down the days to show number 500. Guys, it is right around the corner. But this week, once again, I have a couple first-time co-hosts. So let's get right to them. First up, he owns PDR Performance. They are the Race Tech Service Center for Minneapolis. He's brought to you tonight by Guts Racing, Clay Olson. What's going on, man? Not too much. Excited to do the show. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you, man. Uh, you're friends with Checkers. That's how I kind of uh, got to know you. Uh, apparently, you're going to do some work on my forks if you ever get them from the 250YZ. We are. Get you all set up. Get the gold valves in. Get you riding in style. I'm pretty excited about that. I can't wait to get back on a bike. It's been a little bit. But uh, first, next up, he owns Grill Your Ass Off. 
the best seasoning on the planet. You guys hear about it all the time. If you haven't checked it out yet, you got to. We're going to talk about Grow Your Ass Off in a little bit. But he's brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires, Jason Murph. What is up? Uh, not much. Excited to be on the show, and I appreciate you having me. Yeah, man, I'm excited to have you guys on. It's cool to have new people, and you know, every once in a while, I, I start thinking, man, I got to reach out to some other people, but it's just hard to. You never really know who's listening all the time, and like you know, industry. Steve likes to have some industry guys, and you guys are part of the industry, and yeah, this is gonna be fun, man. I'm looking forward to it um, tonight, guys. It is show 497 that we're going to talk about. Uh, before we get into that, let's get a little bit of your background. Uh, Clay, what's your history with Pulpamex? Like, when did you start listening? Obviously, Race Tech's a major sponsor of the show, but what about you personally as a listener? Yeah, I probably started listening five, six years ago, um, just through some friends talking about it, and then I kind of got into the podcast thing, and then Pulp was one of the first ones I jumped to and just got hooked in it. I love the long conversations. I like, uh, you know, just sometimes it's not 100% moto. It's just industry people talking about stuff, and it's just fun. It's something a little bit different, and when you got hours and hours in the shop, it, uh, <laughs> a nice five-hour podcast at least eats up part of a day. Yeah, so it's right. good good insight, and it, it's fun to listen to the whole organization. They get a lot of good content. 100%. Jason, what about you, brother? Yeah, um, it actually started back in 2015. Um, before I started Grill Your Ass Off, I was uh, going to college in Waco. I just got out of the military and was driving back and forth from Waco to Houston to actually do the EMX series here in Texas. Um, and ran into a friend and, at the track, and he was like, yeah, you should try listening to Pulp MX on your drives. It's uh, like a five-hour-long podcast. And at the time, I was like, dude, there's no way I'm listening to those five-hour-long podcasts. And uh yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't Skippy, was it? No, it wasn't Skippy. So I ended up meeting Skippy uh, about two years after that. Okay. Um, yeah, we ended up meeting at uh, a track, uh, I believe. Uh, I think it was at Three Palms and just running into each other and just started talking. Awesome. Yeah, it's a small world, man. This motor community is great. I've gotten to know so many people because of Pulp MX, honestly. Like, I mean, I know so many more people in the industry and have gotten my foot in the door in the industry a little bit and realize how awesome this place, this industry is because of Pulp. So it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic show. Brings everybody together, even though Steve likes to try to not be not the most personable person all the time uh, you know he, he acts that way anyway but uh this week man at show 497 our boy kellen brower was in studio and on the phone we had jordan smith lars lindstrom malcolm stewart mitchell oldenburg chris betts i called in jt called in as usual lots of good interviews detroit talk multiple rants and some video game talk uh clay you first man what did you think of of 497 overall uh because like Kellen, Kellen gets better, in my opinion, every time he's on, but he's not like, you're not going to get a million laughs from, from Kellen, but he's yeah. really, really nauseable. No, a hundred percent. That's like the exact kind of feeling I got out of the show is, um, informative. Kellen's super good, um, informative. He's easy to listen to. He articulates well, um, you know, with him and just him and Steve in there, it was a super easy podcast to listen to. There wasn't a lot of other stuff going on. Um, it was almost kind of a, for me, like a reset podcast. Cause like the last two weeks, first you had Hollywood in there <laughs> and then with Cade and a Ray, it was like, I mean, those Keeper, were yeah. almost all timers and keeper. Yeah. So it was, uh, um, kind of just a reset, a little bit more low key, a lot of insight, good conversations. So I liked it. It was good. 
Yeah, uh, Jason, how you feel about Kellen and the show as a whole? Uh, I think it's the same exact. Uh, I love Kellen. Um, I actually used to, whenever I wasn't able to listen to the pulp shows uh, and we were just too slammed uh, here at the office, I would actually uh, have his YouTube uh, race recap videos playing in the background. Uh, He just did an amazing job uh, commentating on that. So he was always kind of like my plan B if I, if I didn't uh, have time to listen to the full Pulp show, just listen to his stuff. So absolutely love it. And then as well, um, Chris Betts, I mean, you can't really beat having him on the show. So. Dude, that guy's a riot, man. I, I texted him afterwards. I was like, man, you just make me laugh. Like you're, yeah, he, he you know, the, the lack of knowledge and the humor and just not giving a shit like he, yeah, he's great. He is so funny. Yeah. And not only that, I think, uh, you know, Jordan Smith and Mitchell Olderberg were really, really good to have on that show to really bring their, I think, bring their names back in uh, yeah. the cycle and get talking about them now that they're back healthy and riding. Yeah. Good point. All right. Let's start with the way the show started with a little bit of general discussion. Let's listen to some audio from Mookie. <laughs> If Mookie had won that main event in Detroit, now he got second, well, we know how he got into second, but if he had won the main in Detroit, I would not have been surprised. The guy looked phenomenal all day, coming off Daytona, where he was fastest qualifier, and had some incidents, and then coming off the race before, where Jason took him out in the Triple Crown. Like, yeah. He has been good. Oh, he's like he's been building to this level all season long, it seems like. He got his first podium, I think, back at Glendale, and it just seems like every round, it, there, there's like another, like, oh my gosh, did you see Mookie do this, or did you see how yeah. he handled that, or or whatever uh he looks so comfortable on that bike like whatever they've figured out whatever they've rectified from the yeah. early season problems it's incredible like he just looks like a, a different guy this year do you think he gets a win i do i think he gets one in yeah i was kind of on the fence a few weeks ago when we were talking mm-hmm. about it i think he does too he just looks like he's getting better i really think it for him it just comes down to a start and that's one of the questions i'll ask him as well uh of the top let's see top seven riders he's got the worst average start of anybody right now yeah and, and uh in his heat race you saw like he got out front and was able to just stretch it i, I think if you give him a, a start give him an opportunity to lead for a little while and like yeah. get that pace down a little bit Yep. I think the sky's the limit yep. at that point. I think he might click wins off after that. Tomac now has a 42-point lead. And, Marks, you were saying, you tweeted out that this is the largest lead since 03. Yeah. you got to think if Mookie's out front and Eli's second, go ahead, Mookie. Like, I, I can, yeah. I'm going to catch you if I can. I'm going to put in a lot of effort. But if, it, if I don't feel exactly 100%, then, Mookie, you can take this thing. <laughs> Uh, Jason, let's go to you first, man. So a lot to a lot to break down there, but the Mookie as a guest, like he's been on a couple times this season already. He seems like they kind of talked about, you know, he's a little bit of a surprise, maybe, but like he's getting better. The winds are coming. He seems more confident. He seems better on the bike, and he's seems to be more willing to do interviews, which is good because he's a great guest. But what do you think of the Mookie interview and what they had to say? I think it was good. Um, you know, that was one of the frustrating things back in the day with Mookie is like you saw the raw speed and the talent yeah. and it always seemed like the work ethic wasn't there. Um, you know, the, the drive wasn't there. So, um, but like you said, it just in the interview conversations kind of with Tomac, it's like a new level of confidence and, um, it, it's obviously showing on the track. I'm in agreement with them more towards the end of the season on if he does click off a win, I feel like it's going to be there kind of, you know, Hey, Tomac, I got this thing wrapped up. Let's not, uh, 
do anything stupid. Yeah, yeah, like they Kellen mentioned, and we're going to talk about this in a little while about Eli kind of playing the long game, and yeah, I can see that. So there may be a few more new winners coming up, or maybe some repeat winners. But I definitely agree. I think Mookie's going to get a couple. And he mentioned, you know, that hey, Indy's coming up, Seattle's coming up. Uh, he likes those ruddier tracks. So yeah, they're pretty high. Everybody in the studio is pretty high on Mookie, and I think with good reason. Uh, Clay. Same with you. You, you kind of on board. He was a little bit of a surprise to, to start with because we've seen yeah. year after year, you know, and this year he just, he seems like he's in a different place and maybe it's, you know, the, the change in teams, the overall package, Alden, as he talked about. Yeah. Mookie was a big question mark for me coming into the year with how stacked it was. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, we seen the same, you know, seven, eight, maybe a fifth once in a while Mookie or is the Baker program two year deal, the Husky thing actually going to change it after all these years. Um, we're big Mookie fans. My one dog is named after Mookie. Oh, so, wow. all right. um, we're big Mookie fans. We're always kind of rooting for him, but it was like, I just didn't quite have the faith that this was going to be uh, a change. And even his riding, um, I mean, he's a solid top five dude right now and uh it's it's good to see i definitely think he's gonna you know knock off a win if not you know maybe two this year especially late in the season and you know as he gets he's progressed more than i thought he would this year so you know i haven't made a note down it's like okay if he gets one or two and gets the confidence i know the raw speed is there you know we've always been able to see that so it's like if he can get the full length motos in him and get that confidence and get used to winning you know could it turn to where he's top five and maybe title you know question mark next yeah. year i don't know Ooh, that that's a that's a big one, but hell, I called Dylan Ferrandez for the championship, so I was I was throwing yeah. him at the wall too to see what sticks. So yep. yeah, that's about that's about as uh that's about on par with me picking Dylan Ferrandez. So I I won't yeah. knock it. <laughs> Sticking like with, I said, not totally there, but yeah. it's like you know if the fitness is there and he gets that feeling of winning, it's like I don't know, we could see him up front more. Oh yeah, definitely. He's starting to feel it now, and, and yeah, with uh, yeah, these guys are coming back. It seems like everybody except for Dylan's coming back this weekend, but they're going to be a little banged up, and you know that shifts things. You know, yeah, Mookie can get a win. We know once you get one, they always say they start coming easier. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see how that plays for out. Sure. And sticking with the general discussion, guys, uh, the track itself, all the crashes, that was a big topic. Uh, Kellen kind of brought up the fact, guys, that he didn't feel like really any of those injuries or those crashes could be definitely put to track conditions. And I kind of agree with them. I'll go to you first, Clay. Uh, the track conditions were pretty shitty, really. They fell apart. The track, the dirt wasn't great. But when you go back and look at a lot of those crashes, it, again, yeah, I don't think it was necessarily the track breaking down. Do you agree or disagree? No, I don't think it was track breaking down or track conditions yeah. at all. I mean, even Anderson's crash, it's like, yeah, these guys are used to riding the hard, slippery stuff. Like they make mistakes, um, you know, on the whole 20 minutes and it being a shorter track and stuff. I think it being a shorter lap and it not being difficult actually at the end of the moto, to me, it seemed like it, it wore them out mentally. You know, you just, you don't have enough. If the track's not technical enough, these guys, it's almost, you know, I've done some riding inside. You can almost get bored when you're on the track that long and you're pushing. I don't know if just a combo of the moto being so long and the track being a little bit easier that these guys are just brain farting at the end of the moto and just losing concentration, you know, or what? I mean, even Cooper's mistake, it's like he almost you know, I'm kind of in agreement that he kind of forgot where he was on the track, but you know, you come out of a corner like that and these guys are so used to just, you come around, you have seat bounce three out of the corner and it's like, he had the pressure on Sexton and Lapper in the way. And it's like, did he just 
uh, it was and seat bones or yeah, poor Caden getting in the way. So yeah, I don't think it was really track related. If anything, yeah. it was the simplicity of the track and the length of the laps that just, you know, you're out there that long. I think it can get repetitive and you just lose concentration. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. How about you, Jason? Uh, for, you know, I like, I like the way they brought some of these topics up with each guest throughout the night, especially like the Cooper Webb, uh, trying the three and we're going to get to that in just a minute but jason just as a whole the track would you i think kellen was on point with that statement no i agree fully with that um <clears throat> these guys are so used to just clicking away laps um do you remember the total amount of laps that they actually did 27 i believe okay yeah like uh, I, and i don't know 100 percent, but i'm pretty sure these guys don't go out there and practice 27 laps no, no. Yeah, I think yeah. Those their practice tracks are generally longer. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think uh, the track condition. You know, it broke down, but I don't think it's one of the worst tracks that have broken down. You know, it was a harder pack, so there wasn't any crazy ruts um, that you see further on the East Coast. So um, I think it was just the the amount of sheer laps that they did. Yeah, I do too. I think that, and I wonder if anything, if anything's going to get brought up with that because that that's just, you know what? I was watching that race and I almost texted Steve Saturday. I was like, dude, that floor looks huge to me. Like it looks like Glendale. That looked like one of the biggest floor plans, but yet the lap times were only what forty three seconds or less than a minute, whatever they were. I don't know what that's about. Maybe that stadium's not as big as it looked on TV, but I did not understand why it was that way and they should know by now that's way too short of a lap time that's just anyway we're getting off topic and steve's gonna clip me with yeah. but go ahead well and you know uh like and, and you're right it did look like a big four plan and like as soon as i saw the qualifying times i was like well shit this is gonna be a lot of laps and i had uh some of my neighbors over that night and we're all standing there watching it and they're asking me all this why are all these guys crashing I'm just like, yeah, we don't know. Honestly, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, this is normal. (laughs) Yeah, it was not normal. Yeah, you're right, and I don't know that anybody really knows. But uh, you know, the the extra lap times. I mean, you know, they were pretty far into the race when that happened. So yeah, maybe it was just a. uh, I mean. I, I can't. Uh, I have some history with losing track of where the hell I am and doing something stupid. So, um, I'm gonna say yeah. It definitely makes sense to me because I have certainly lost, like I said, brain farted and been like, "What the hell did I just do?" Um, yeah, yeah. So, but we don't need to get into that. Uh, let's talk about Eli, man. So, Eli, obviously, what they say, 42 points ahead, the biggest gap in since I don't even remember what year it was now. It's been uh, in, since, oh, five, five? No, that's not right. What was it? I think oh three. Oh three. I said oh five. yeah, oh three. Uh, let's listen to a little audio about him and what they think with this coming up this summer. Is there a chance we see an Eli this summer, Kellen, that just crushes every dude? Like, yeah, maybe. You know, like, because I don't have Eli Tomac being this good. Uh, this year, like I didn't have this. I, I didn't either, right. and I, I forget what I was talking to you about this, but I said if someone had asked me last year when he was on the Cowie, uh, is Eli Tomac going to get to I don't know like Carmichael in the wins column, right? And I would have probably said no. You know, one thing that we overlook a lot with Eli is just how durable he's been over the years. And maybe that was, it's you amazing. know, we would always say that, like, it's it's uh, he's weak in the mind or something like that when he was having these weirdo races. Yeah. But maybe he actually was kind of like just playing the long game and saying, like, mm-hmm. I don't have it tonight. I'm not going to go 
you know, yeah. right over my head and yeah. crash. He's not on autopilot, but he knows how to manage everything, mm. you know? Um, because, yeah, I mean, the, the narrative with the, when the Ryans retired was like, they're pushing too hard. The sport's too gnarly. <laughs> they don't look what these guys are doing. They're getting burnt out, right? That yeah. was the narrative after those two guys called, right, it, right, called it early. Right. So uh, Eli is switching that a little bit. Do we see Eli Tomac 2015 speed this summer? I don't know. Um, but why not? He's better in Supercross right now. Why would that bike be right. any worse, you know, than his Cowie and, and based on how he feels? And, and so why not? Yeah. Jason, this is Eli's interesting, man. Kellen made fantastic <laughs> points, right? That maybe the whole time when we've been saying he's weak minded, like he's really just, again, playing that long game. Like Kellen said, and I remember talking to him a few years ago when he had crashed and it was, took forever to get back on the bike. And I asked him about that. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to get up on the backside of a jump and just, you know, f- flail around, f- flail around and get back on the bike and jump out there and get landed on. Like he has been thinking about this. He's smart. And right now he seems to be in the best place he's been in in years. He's, he talked about that. John talked about that a little bit last week. Like I Definitely think Eli is the favorite and maybe by a long shot come this summer. But where do you stand with Eli right now? Uh, and were you surprised by him coming in the season? Uh, yeah, I was. Um, I figured with him, just the, his riding style and uh, just his raw power output, the Yamaha would probably be a good fit for him engine-wise. But I didn't know uh, actual chassis and everything like that. Um and yeah, I, I've been shocked. I think it's absolutely amazing. And it's funny that you said that you talked to him about the crashing and taking forever to get up. Cause that was going to bring my, my point that I brought up and then you just put that to rest. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that was always one of the things that, you know, watching and I'm just, I've been a huge Eli Tomek fan forever and seeing him go down and taking, you know, 30 seconds to get up and get going. And I'm just like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. Let's go. Um, as far as outdoors, I don't think I would love to see 2015 Eli Tomac speed, but I don't think we'll see that. Uh, if this, you know, long game Eli does come out, I, I think it'll be a lot more of a manageable speed. Interesting. Okay. So Clay, I think, you know, again, with Eli and the, the mindset, they, they talked about how durable he's been, right? Not a lot of injuries. That's that's mm-hmm. from being smart, right? When when it's not your night, when you don't feel like you can go through the pack, all right, well, I'll settle for this. And we have had those rides where Steve and the guys throughout the years are like, what is going on with this guy? It doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, not everybody's 100% perfect or on their best game, whether no matter what your job is, every day of the week. So maybe he is outsmarting everybody else. Yeah, he could be, you know, I mean, for me, it's like the last couple of years on Kyle, when you're just scratching your head on him, it was like, okay, is it the bike? Is it him? Is he just burnt out? Doesn't want to do this anymore. And now that he's on the new team, I mean, he surprised me. It's like, obviously he's still got the fire to do this. Yeah. You know, the, um, this last weekend, you know, him chasing down Anderson, that was kind of that lightning in a bottle Tomac that I haven't seen in a long time of just sheer, I mean, makes everybody else almost 
look like B classers, you know? Um, so he's obviously still got that fire. Um, and if it was just him kind of, when he didn't have it on them nights, you back it down and you take, you know, your seventh and eighth, I guess good on him. I mean, if he's got another two, three years at the elite level to where he can push this thing into his thirties and still be winning races, you know, I guess stroke will be on everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. So Popamax as a whole, generally the first 45 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes is this general discussion. I want to ask you guys if you like that format or like, would you clay as a listener, you, you kind of, you've already taught, touched on it just a bit, but would you like it to be stay the way it is? Or would you like more interviews, like two interviews every hour, or maybe one every hour? Or do you like this general discussion that the bench racing side of it? Cause that's probably my favorite part. What do you, what do you feel? My favorite's the bench racing. That's yeah. pretty much. It's like I can't every weekend, especially when like things blow up and it goes crazy or can't you wait. know this controversy between riders. It's like oh, I can't wait for the yeah. fall just to see. Just because you kind of get invested with you know Steve and the co-hosts and you know them and you know the backstories and the jokes between them and yeah. it's like something will happen on the track and it's like oh my god they're gonna lose it on pulp this week. Can't you know, wait. So the the general yeah the general discussion the bench racing part of the show I think is a uh, that's got to stay. The yeah. interviews are great, but all the back and forth the Ben Tracy talk that like makes a show right Jason and sticking with that like Steve talks about the tweets he gets during the ride during the races and you know these stupid moronic whatever tweets he gets sometimes and people lighten him up but like that's like what because we're like Clay just said as soon as something happens we're like oh shit or you know Justin Anderson he said Justin Anderson we got a text we got a message Steve we got to hear what he says you know because like we, we're so invested in this show and and what Steve's reaction and then of course probably the opposite reaction whatever Steve's reaction is the opposite's generally what JT has and we can't <laughs> wait to get to that Jason yeah I, sorry. <clears throat> No, you're good. I, I agree fully um, with that. I mean, preferably, I would like Keeper After Dark to be front loaded, but that's just uh, <laughs> business talk, to, right there. We're going to get to Keeper After Dark. <laughs> um, no, you know, uh, interesting thing as y'all were talking about that is, if it wasn't for the fact of the years of listening to Pulp MX, I would honestly say I think the interviews would. Look be what I want to hear first. Okay. Um, Cause I want to hear direct from the writers, guys in the industry and everything like that. But you know, once you, once you um, listen and develop these, you know, characters from Pulp MX um, and almost like style, uh, like a relationship with them um, of hearing the week by week by week by week, you, you get interested and you want to hear, you know, JT and Steve battle it out and like, okay, what happened once the cameras were turned off since we weren't there at the race? Yeah, I totally agree. Like every week I make this comparison. So anybody, the, the listeners that listen every week are probably already prepared for it, but he's the Howard Stern show. He has, you know, JT or is Baba Booey or, or whatever, you know, and, he has his cast of characters and his listeners that call in, whether it be high pitch Eric or uh, Wendy, the slow adult, because you can't say the R word anymore. And all these people that have called in over the years uh, that are a cast of characters. And you, you feel like, and Chris said this last week, Kiefer, like as listeners, you feel like you're part of the show that, you know, these people, they are your family. 
So yeah, you are prepared. Like I can't wait for the review show on Sunday and it drives me insane when it doesn't drop till like late Sunday night because I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I cannot wait to hear them argue about whatever happened and their takes are sometimes not even what I thought they were going to be. They're you know, but it's always so entertaining. It is changed how I enjoy the sport, Jason. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's the same, man. It's yeah. even down to just the, uh, you know, the commentators, you know, uh, I never would have picked that up until listening to Pulse. And then now like uh, I'll be in the kitchen while, you know, something's going on like in between races. And I'm like, what the hell did he just say? <laughs> Yep. 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 <laughs> it's just little things like that that I have a totally new perspective on the sport that you know really we shouldn't, but thanks to Steve, we do. I think it's good, man. I don't know. Why do you say you, we shouldn't? Uh, it, it, maybe we should. You know, it, it, and what's funny is like we have seen changes happen from Pulpamex and the things getting brought up and things becoming better. Um, I know. Kellen and Mark's uh, hate on race day live. Uh, I do too. Like I'm one, I'm ready to throw a TV remote through my TV whenever they swap on someone who's in the middle of doing a hot lap to someone rolling on the track. Yep. Drives me <laughs> fucking crazy. Same. Um, but at the same time, being on like the business end of things, I can understand where accidents like that happen. And if it wasn't for pulp, I wouldn't get as upset. But since okay, I hear yeah. this talked about almost every week, whenever it does happen, it just it pisses me off that much yeah. more. If that makes sense, no, it does. That's what I was talking about when I said it's changed how I, I how I view things. Okay, the next general discussion topic I would touch on is the Cooper Webb trying three. Let's listen to uh, what everybody pretty much had to say. There was a lot of opinions and thoughts. I brought up that Webb maybe was trying to three there. Uh, Dylan uh, A Ray sent me a. Um, Instagram video of Dylan doing it during the day, mm-hmm. and I know Sexton had done it yeah, on press day. Yeah. A couple people told me so. It's it was doable. They changed the track to make it more doable. I don't think he was trying to triple in. JT wasn't having it at all. Uh, <laughs> Kiefer said he was. Kiefer thought he was trying to triple in. Either way, I was talking to Tomac at the airport on Sunday. I was on their flight. Yeah. Him and John. And Eli's like, yeah, dude, you just sometimes lose where you are on the track. And yeah. If it was a situation where he forgot where he was, the thing I don't understand is that there was no other part on the track that they were coming out and, and popping a triple in somewhere or, or even seat bouncing into a section. So I get like the mental lap side of it if there's other things on the track, but it's yeah. so weird yeah. that there's, there's, there was nothing else on the track that they were even doing that it, on. Is the thing that rattled him that Chase was right there, like up the inside trying to make a pass? And yeah. Webb in these situations, as far as we've seen is one of the least yeah. likely people to get yeah, rattled yeah, by yeah. that. I think Cooper was in a situation where he, he, he was either a or trying to just make up time or try to do something different um, to avoid the ruts, mm-hmm. you know, yep. um, or he just, or I forgot, you know, um, yeah. I, I can see more forgetting just in that ran, you know, that, that racing mentality, you know, I watched the Cooper thing and I think that he must've just kind of brain farted there. And right, right. I don't know, you know, it happens from time to time, you know, yep. you go to, try to like do a jump that you're not on that jump. So Clay, I want to go with the brain fart theory. Like that's what seems right. Like I don't, I don't believe he got rattled. I just don't buy into web getting rattled by, by chase, but Kellen, once again, making the fantastic point, there was no other left-hand turn where they're seat bouncing a triple in. 
So it doesn't really make sense that he thought he was somewhere else either. Like, I don't feel like there's a good explanation other than just accepting, all right, he made a mistake, but it's, it's a really weird situation. Like I, I don't feel like any of the answers fit properly. No. And I'm, Kellen, I think was spot on. I mean, there, I don't think he forgot where he was on the track because there isn't anything else that was like that. When yeah. you're, you know, popping and going three in. I personally, to me, it didn't look like he was trying to three in and that would have been like the worst time possible to try it. You're cutting a middle line with a lapper in front of you and Sexton trying to pass you on the inside. So it makes no sense. They would have tried to do it. When I watched it, he he kind of popped up and you can see him get up on the bike. Like he was getting ready to drive down on that double. Uh And it's like, he realized crap, I'm too far. And he ends up casing it. It was like, I don't know. To me, it was just like you said, it was a, it was a brain fart. I mean, I think he got in the middle of the race and these guys are so used to going three out or getting on it hard out of a corner because they got the power to that. I think it'd be pretty easy when you're checking up that you get in a race situation and you just get a little antsy and, you know, a little bit too much throttle on a 450 when you're sitting into it. And all of a sudden you're going half a jump too far. And to me, that's what it looked like he did is, Oh crap. I got a lapper in front of me. I got Sexton inside of me and he just got a little too far into it. And that turned into a big mistake. Right, you know, right. Kellen yep. was kind of, you know, and Kellen, I think, made the most sense that there wasn't anything on the track that he should have confused. Yeah, that was a really good point. Jason, you're, you're, you're with me, right? There's no way he's rattled by Chase. No, there's not. I mean, he's one of the most confident guys out there. And uh, what, like, Kellen brings up and the fact that, you know, what you said, um, you know, he's not rattled by it, what makes me think is, like, was he going for that three and he just didn't get the traction coming out of the corner um, and the setup exactly like he wanted. Um, what comes to my mind is a few years ago, whenever he Eli Tomac passed him and then he busted out the quad. Oh yeah. Know, yeah. Uh, Mid moto and passed him back. Is that what, is it something like that, that he was going for and just came up short? Man, I wish, I wish I could get a response out of him. Cause I would love to know the answer to that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We probably will. I mean, he might answer it. Maybe if he, you know, maybe he gets on the podium this weekend, I can ask him at, at uh, Indy. <laughs> that might be my question. If he gets on the podium at Indy, I'll ask him about that. Uh, what do you guys feel about Toby calling in, uh, you know, claiming disability and uh, he maybe is and asking for three tickets. I don't really dig Jason when people call in and ask for stuff, but then I kind of felt, you know, a little bit sorry for him because he was disabled and didn't have any money. So I, like, I sort of get it. Maybe that was his only option, but the fans were kind of lighting him up on YouTube. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I don't know the whole story. I don't know his story. Um, I'm not one for handouts and I'm also not one for pulling cards. Um, you know, I have a ton of disabled friends that would never do that. Um, so it's hard to say not knowing the whole entire thing. Uh, but regardless of the fact, I'm not a fan of it. How about you, Clay? Like, again, I, I, I'm not as against asking for something as, as kind of Jason was with, with a guy like, like if he's in need but really wants to take his kids, I I, I think I would have been better with if he had just emailed Steve and not done it on air. But like, where do you stand? 
That's exactly what I was going to say. Like he calls in and pulls the disability card. If, if he's disabled, you know, disabled, like, and you need help, put an email in, but it's Steve didn't even have an option. It was like, dude, you just, you automatically draw the dick card. If you're like, no, sorry, I'm not giving you tickets. Yeah. Well, so Steve's now you're, not- you have to pull out the three. I mean, Steve's not afraid to do that yeah, anyway, but say, yeah. at the same point, it's like, you know, so you help the guy out, but you know, and then the other guy calls in later in the show and he's like, I'm a paraplegic and I would never you yeah. know, do that. And it's like, okay, thinking back, like <laughs> right. anybody who's like, you know, on disability well, and stuff, most of them would not do that. Or if it's like, if you are just down on your luck, man, and you want to bring your kids to Supercross, if he would have just emailed into Steve, I guarantee he still would have got the tickets. I think so. I think that's where it <laughs> sort of felt. Weird. It would have been more genuine. Yeah. I think a little bit, like just being an email and like low key. And it feels like it was a little bit kind of dropping it, putting it on the spot to force the issue. Yeah. You have to know so. that pole fans are pretty brutal and they're going to like, you know, give you oh, shit no for remorse. It. Oh, but, yeah. But shout out if you guys didn't see Steve's Twitter. Sean Brennan did give him the three tickets and you know, that, that wasn't that anything that Steve even had an okay to do, but Sean took care of it. So shout out to Sean Brennan. He is a very, very good, kind hearted guy. Very helpful. Uh, we love Sean with filled entertainment. Um, Clay as a suspension guy, I don't know how you feel about fork seal protectors, but for 22 years, still savers offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Still Savers is the first and original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rocks, sand, and mud. Still Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle, Seal Savers has essential products that are crucial for your performance of your side-by-side mountain bike. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection. Enter the code PULP21 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. If you don't have a guy like Clay, if you're a guy like Toby, maybe that's not you know finance, not super loaded with money, don't have anybody to work on your forks and suspension all the time, get yourself some seal savers, put them around your fork seals, and it saves you from having a leaky fork seal. So it helps you out. They're not, they're not super expensive. They're really beneficial. I think uh, I'm not actually going to let you answer that, Clay, because if you don't like them, I don't want to hear that. They do so. work. I'll tell you. Oh, perfect. That was great. You yep. said they do you work. Keep, keep the chrome clean. As long as you keep your, once you're done washing your bike, wipe the tubes down, make yep. sure they're all shiny, no water spots. You got to take the seal savers off. Keep oh, the yeah. dirt out from underneath there. Clean it all up again. Put them back on. Once they dry. Go. Yep. 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 Perfect. Good, that, extra, good extra little bit of protection there for sure. I like that, Clay. I like that. All right. Mookie. We're gonna get Mookie was the first call-in guest of the night. As I said, he's been doing more interviews. It seems like uh he seems to be in a happier place. Steve asked him if he was, you know, upset or mad with the way with the way things are, and he's like, Hey man, not at all. Podium was a win for me. Like I love his attitude right now, Jason. Uh and I thought it was kind of funny. Okay, two things with this. So with Mookie, I was really happy that Steve really didn't bring up James a whole at all. Maybe a couple mentions, but like the the triple and being stewable, but that was it. I like that he didn't go there because I think it's time to separate Mookie and, and James. Like you don't have to answer a question about your brother all the time. But I love that Mookie is like, I never even considered it, didn't think it was possible. Like that was pretty cool. Yeah, I love the uh, the transparency that we're getting from yeah. him. Yeah, um, it, it's super cool and refreshing because there's not a lot of riders that do that. Um, and then also, like, I'm so sick and tired of the James talk. Like, yeah. yes, he I'm was he it. was 
absolutely phenomenal, amazing. He he made a podcast. He's kind of back, but like he's not writing anymore. So, um, you know, maybe drop the is it stewable every now and then, but like it, it's got to be toned down. Yeah, I think just like Hunter, right? I mean, like Hunter has to be sick of hearing about Jet. Like I, mm-hmm. like I just like okay, it's my brother. Yeah, we're we're brothers. We're but like I'm me, man. Come on, I'm sure they they love their brother. They have respect for their brothers. But like every time you talk to him, you don't have to bring up the damn brother. But well, and I feel like you can hear it from him too. Yeah, like uh, because you you hear him say, "Oh well, you know, I haven't talked to him." Like. I feel like that's an indicator of him saying, "Like, all right, hey, let's move this uh, subject on." I, I do not disagree. But before we, the next question, the next piece of audio we're going to listen to is Steve is really good, guys. When he interviews somebody about sometimes asking questions or making statements that maybe the writer would even want to hear, like it almost feels uncomfortable a little bit because we do as media kind of all kiss these writers asses a little bit. And Steve doesn't always do that. And this wasn't a harsh statement, but Steve talked about Mookie starts not being very good. Let's listen. The only thing held you back. And, and you know what it was is your start. We think you'll get a win this year. So uh, you just got to put it all together. Thought I greased it off the start, but of course I didn't. I come out fifth, you know, tenth, and I'm just like, oh, I got This is a lot out of all the tracks. This is where everything's so close. Is the last place I want to be. Usually, you know, on the baseball stadiums, you know, on the last couple tracks, you can kind of make it work with this one. I was like, dude, this, this is gonna be, <laughs> this is gonna be a long night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't even look at the pit board for like first ten minutes because I'm like, bro, I already kind of know what I need to do. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about uh, bike setup a little bit. Because you, you, early in the year, you had talked a little bit about you know maybe having some struggles with it. How much of it was you know what you guys either figured out with the bike itself? How much was it uh, you know maybe yourself learning the bike? And how much of it was uh, sorry about that? How much of it was uh, you know switching to the East Coast dirt and maybe getting a little bit more like rutted surfaces and such? We we definitely um, have gotten a lot better, uh, of course, we're, and we're still testing. You know uh, that's that's just part of it. We're still finding finding more and more things that. Um, that I like about how the bike works and, and things like that. Of course, when it gets in more readier conditions, it, it, it seems to get even better. But Andy, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on because usually in the past, Andy's always been pretty ready. So I feel like this is where my bike would even be even better. So and, and in the next following week in Seattle, so that's another ready track. So I feel like we're definitely in the right direction. So, Clay, as I was starting off, like what led to that conversation was, again, not an aggressive question, but Steve is really good at, hey, man, this has been a problem. You know, he'll he'll talk to the rider about things that are always positive, you know, like, hey, I see this as a problem or you shouldn't have done that. And I, I have to have respect for Steve because it's really not easy. I find it not easy to confront a rider about hey you didn't look very good last week or you had this problem and steve has no problem doing that and and really i think that's one of the reasons he's the best at what he does 
No, a hundred percent. It's like, you know, it's, I think part of it, Steve's been in it so long. It's yeah. like, he doesn't necessarily put these dudes all on a pedestal. Um, that is true. So he's not just yep. in it to just kiss their ass, you know, and all these guys are just normal dudes. They're, you know, just rip on a dirt bike. So a question like, yeah, you're really good. And you know, you blew the start again. It's like, yeah, he knows that, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's a valid point to bring up and it's like, it led into a good back and forth with Mookie being like, yeah, that's, I knew what I had to do with the last, you know, with 10 laps. I didn't even look at the pit board and he, you know, he's kind of laughing at it, you know? So yep. I think it brings out some, the conversations are a little bit more genuine. Yeah. And you know, open, when, like you said, when, yeah, it's kind of open and like Mookie knows that Steve's not calling in to him to just, you know, pat him on the back. It's like, it's a legit conversation and that's what kind of makes the show real. Yeah. And I think most of these riders know that he's, he's going to do that. He's going to be open and honest with you. And, and there's a few that have had a problem with it, obviously Jason Anderson being one, but these guys come on and are more open because I think they know what they're going to get from Steve. Like, there's not any backhanded shit. Uh, they know that Steve's going to be true to himself, at least. Yeah, and if you want to, you know, if you don't agree with it and you want to give it back to him, he's totally cool with that, too, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, okay. Well, kind of. I mean, he can give it back to him. He may not agree with you, but he'll bring you back on the show. Yeah, that's true. Very true. You know, if yeah. you just at least, uh, you know, hold the conversation and stuff. So it's, uh, no, it's cool. I, I like that he'll, you know, dip into the controversy stuff a little bit and push these guys on, you know, hey, you're having a really rough go of it. Like, what's the deal? Yeah, true. Jason, what'd you think of Mookie's take on moving to Alden's, the overall package, Austrian bike, family? All that stuff. Were you were you buying into that? Like that he really wants to be there. At first, uh, it, like I stated earlier, you know, it was always kind of the work ethic. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody everybody brings up the you know I'd rather be fishing and everything like that. And obviously, he's made that very clear that that was a thing. Um, so I was I, I was hesitant at first with the move. Uh, just whether or not if he was actually going to put in the work, the consistency, everything like that. And I think he's proving all of us wrong um, that he is putting in the work. He is uh, doing it all and it's paying off greatly for him. Yeah. You, you spoke of the not Steve brought up, you know, or maybe it was Kellen, actually Kellen brought up. Did you not really care as a kid, the fishing stuff? So I've got another piece of audio uh, starts with the beef with Jason being buried leads into that. So let's listen. You and Jason Anderson have buried any beef, uh, correct? You're both going to work on racing forward. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's the goal. Um, there's no need for none of that. I, I, we we squashed it basically um, after we talked. We just we said what we said, and yep. um, we just moved forward from there. So, do I think that what you did to Anderson uh, was because you could have won that damn race? I think Anderson's move on Tomac didn't didn't deserve what you did i also respect malcolm that you went to him or he went to you and both of you guys are like look man we are just hurting each other that takes maturity pretty much what we both agreed to and- <laughs> right like hey man we can win these damn races what are we doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's pretty much uh yeah we're lo- we, ain't, we ain't making no money on the ground that's no, for sure. <laughs> no so the narrative around you malcolm when you were a kid and riding amateurs was that you didn't really care if you race pro, you wanted to fish, you were maybe going to do that. You didn't, you know, didn't care. Obviously, you're talented. Is that true? Was that true where you were, where James and, and your dad were like, dude, like, you know, you're, you can be great. Like, just work hard this and, and take this seriously. And you were like, nah, 
Was that true? Or no, that's a, no, yeah, that's 100% true. Okay, I, all right. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my sponsors aren't too stuck to me for saying that. But, yeah, we're talking about years later, guys. No, no, so, yeah, yeah, no, years but, ago. No, but right. no, I, um, yeah, I, I was like, hit dirt bikes. <laughs> if you gave me an option, would you rather go to the Bass Pro Shop or would you rather go to the dirt bike track? And I'll pick Bass Pro Shop yeah, every day. Yeah, okay, every so time. I heard yeah, that. So. That was true then, right? That was true. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What point, like, like right your last year with Extreme Team Green Extreme, was that when things got serious or? No, I was still on the fence then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that was good stuff from Malcolm, Jason. Like, I really. The, again, the openness, it was a great interview. I really appreciate him coming on. But I want to move on to you, man, and grill your ass off. Uh, obviously, you sponsor Kiefer After Dark. You, you mentioned that a minute ago. What brought you to – how did you reach out to Steve or Kiefer to do this, and why did you choose to do it? You know, uh, so I believe this was in 2016. Um, I actually got into the press box in Houston. And I saw Steve, I'd been listening to his show, walked up to him, said, Hey man, I own this company called Grill Your Ass Off. I'd love to sponsor it. And he looked at me like, who the fuck is this guy? Yep. Um, Makes sense to me. I had sent him, uh, he said, yeah, you know, uh, maybe let's talk. Here's, uh, here's my email. So I shot him an email and he was like, you know, I just really don't think there's any great fit here. Um, about a year year and a half went by at that point right there. They did the keeper after dark. I sent him another email and I said, Hey, the keeper after dark is like right on point with, um, something he stands for and does. So, uh, I shot him that email and said, Hey, like, can we just sponsor this read right here? And he said, you know what? Uh, yeah, just know it's not going to be consistent. We'll make something happen. Yeah, okay, and, and that was it, huh? Was that easy? Yeah, you know, just you know, two years of trying to get him to let me sponsor his damn podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I say that easy, but I just sent a few emails, and finally he, he agreed. And, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a staple now to me. Like, I love the the, the read, Chris's read. You know, I love to beat my meats. You know I love to beat my meat, Steve. Like, it it's it works really well. Like it works well. You're clearly okay with it. You know, he's had other sponsors that he's kinda of talked about, uh, maybe we'll you know, this is a separate part of the show, but it, it seems to work really well with your product, which again, I love. Um I use the Claymore all the time. Like I put Claymore, the Cajun stuff, on everything. French fries, mashed potatoes, fucking sandwiches. I, I, I love the stuff and I gotta get me some more of the cannibal. Yeah, and no, uh, I haven't forgot about you. We're going to be sending you out a care package. We've actually, um, <clears throat> this year we've been behind. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows uh, shortages are everywhere yeah. out there, and um, it's not been easy. And with our the our current wholesale growth, um, you know, we're, <clears throat> we're adding on. Um, we've added on uh, about 500 new stores this year. Oh, good for uh, you. That carry our our product so it's been absolutely insane so i've still got some product heading your way once we get it back in stock and then um like with the keeper after dark i thought it, you know how it was a absolute perfect fit with the fact that you know um 
we're, we're a humorous brand. The whole entire point behind the brand is to bring humor and light to someone's day from my dark times and my friend's dark times that we had in the military or in the first responder world. Yep. And that's the whole entire point. And then like, as soon as I heard Keith after dark, I was like, holy shit. Like, not only do I love motocross, supercross, like I love the, the whole entire dirt bike off-road industry because that's the closest group in sport that I've been able to get to that's similar to the veteran community. You know, in the veteran community, no matter what you did, anything like that, you can walk up to them and someone's always going to be there to help you and be there by your side. Same thing with the motocross community. You know, you, you wad out and you know, bend your bars or something along those lines. And you're going to have every single dude at the track that's there. It's like, Oh yeah, I got this part. Hang on. Let me go pull it out of my van or Hey, you need this wrench right here. Hey, let me help you swap out this. Like it, it's absolutely a great community. And like the, the fact that we're even able to do this with grill your ass off is absolutely humbling and amazing. And I'm super grateful for it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Texas based vet owned, very cool, very cool. And yeah, like you said, humorous, infidel pork, cannibal as your like what general f- flavor? I think it is a kind of yeah, a, that's all purpose. purpose. Yeah, so yeah, Ma Deuce, Willie Pete, Claymore, lots of good stuff. It grew your ass off. Go check it out. Uh, let's get into Jordan Smith. Uh, Jordan's a guy I really like him, man. He's a really cool kid. Uh, I did a privateer profile with him right before the season started. Uh, you know, a lot of people forget how close he came to a couple championships and they kind of touched on that a little bit, but, uh, he's riding for firepower Honda, obviously talked a lot about the, the ruts and getting down to the plywood this last weekend at Detroit. And Mookie made the suggestion when he was on of limiting it to 25 laps. We kind of already touched on clay a little bit about, uh, you know, how many laps it was. Maybe the track wasn't, totally to blame for all these crashes but i do think it's something to take in consideration when a track gets down to the plywood like that and it's breaking down so bad they're doing so many laps like maybe there does need to be a revamping as steve has said in the last couple weeks of the rule right that's just that's two 27 laps 28 laps that's too many laps on a supercross track period uh, yes, I think it's too many, but I think the approach of cutting the laps back is the wrong direction. I think they got to do something to either make the lap times longer, yes, uh, I standardize agree. the track length or something like that. Because to me, if you're doing 23 laps or 25 laps, you know, in a 20 minute and 27 is just too many, like it's two laps. Like if the track's going to break down and go to crap, it, it was because the track was short all day long, mm-hmm. not because of the extra three laps that they ran in just the main. Sure. Um, so I think more just with how damn good these bikes are getting and how fast and how far these guys are pushing it to the edge. Um, you know, some obstacles or stuff to slow them down in some sections to get some more time out of the lap or, you know, ways that they use the track to make sure that they're not cutting, you know, designing the tracks down to where the lap time can be that short. Absolutely. Uh, All right. So as I said with Jordan, he's on firepower Honda this year. Steve mentioned, you know, Hey, you were on a factor team. You moved to a basically, I guess we'll call it a privateer team. Let's listen to that. Jordan, you've had factory equipment. You've won races. You've been on the best of the best. And, and, you know, this is not a factory effort team. I'm sure everything's good. How is it for you at Firepower Honda? Uh, it's good. It's it's uh, it's definitely been a change, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you're on a factory team, 
you kind of you go in and and everything is like in place everything's you know they they have an idea of of you know kind of where they're wanting to go with the bike as far as setup and stuff like that is yep that like that goes you know they've had so um it's it's actually been really fun though i've enjoyed it a lot this year i've been the healthiest i've been in the off season this year so that just is like so much more fun than trying to yeah. not hurt like yeah. i've been to in the last three years and that's just no fun how's yeah, marty frustrating. how's marty very very stressed out Let me tell you. <laughs> i mean he's just every every day he's you know like oh, I'm, I'm gonna get back on the ground i'm gonna go on a bike ride with you guys like he's yeah. supposed to go on a bike ride with us today at 10 and he texts us he's like hey guys i'm not gonna make it i've been on the phone for like three hours like i'm not gonna oh, make it. Marty. Come Marty. There, like, the mechanics had ordered pizza for the shop and he's over there <laughs> phone in one hand Mountain Dew and the other, he puts the Mountain Dew down, slamming a, a piece of pizza, and he's. I'm like Marty, what happened to the program? And he's like, I'm I'm stressed out. I'm stressed. Okay. I made a joke yeah. to Millsaps about Marty filling in, and Davey's like, Have you seen him? He ain't filling. He ain't filling in for anybody. He's filling in his stomach. Yeah. yeah. The only thing he's, yeah. The only thing he's filling in is his pants. Oh, poor Marty. Yeah, Jason. I like this interview a lot. I appreciate Steve having him on because he's a kid. That you know that as a maybe if the fans kind of forget his story or don't know his story, they're like, "Well, he was just a bust," but he really wasn't. Man, he was so close to a couple championships, two years in a row, uh, within a few points of winning a championship. An injury plague, man, it just really killed his career. You know, maybe some of that is on his on him, right? And some of that self induced. But I love Steve having him on here to kind of put him back out there. Like, oh yeah, this guy's this kid is really good, was really close, and you can kind of feel from his interview like the the disappointment, right? And the 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 pain of man, all those crashes and, and so hard to come back from. Like it's just a good interview. I liked I like that he had him on so people kind of remember his story. Yeah, it's a good refreshener. Um you know it, it always bums me out whenever you're sitting there watching those guys. And they do go down. You just, you feel the pain for them. Um, and and it's good to see him back up. Uh, he's on a good team. And I I think that that's a great, uh, team to get a lot of the guys in his situation back on a platform to be able to regain that factory ride. If they, uh, can pull off the results to earn it. Yeah. He told me, in that privateer profile, like that's one of his goals is to let those factory teams know, like, you know, nobody was talking to him coming into the season. Nobody's like, I, I want them to regret that basically. Uh, Clay, poor Marty, like Marty is stressed out. And like, I don't like a lot of these guys that jump into these team manager type roles, especially on a privateer team. And they have so much on their back. I don't know that they're prepared and I feel bad for the guy a little bit. No, that was, uh, I honestly didn't even know Marty was managing that team. Oh, okay. So I actually chuckled. I got a kick yeah. out of listening to the stories and it's like, man, what a switch from being catered to and everything you need and people help, you know, at the track, it's like, you're the rider. So you're just catered to the whole time to being the guy who has to run around with your, you know, hair on fire, yeah. putting fires catering out to and, the guys now. Yeah, and catering to everything and keeping the whole show. It's a, uh, it's a heck of a switch, but, uh, good for Marty. It's, it's cool to see him staying in the sport. Yeah. One thing that got brought up also with Jordan was, uh, about him training at Millsaps, uh, MTF. And, you know, maybe ha- have you ever thought about 
switching, changing up. And, you know, he, he kind of said, like, it's crossed my mind, but it's always worked is what he said. And I kind of mm. question that statement a little bit, like what, what your definition is of always worked, because we've seen from a lot of guys this season switching teams that switch could be a big change. It could ju- it just kind of change your outlook. It, it can revitalize yourself. And when he says it always work, like, yeah, there was multiple times he was right there for a championship, but most of the time there was big crashes and crashes and injuries. So did it really work? I feel like Jordan's another guy that maybe would benefit clay from switching it up, go somewhere else, whether it be club or just somewhere else, switch up your program and see yeah. what happens. 15 years a long time yeah. in the same place and the same people watching you and the same yep. tips. And I think, you know, find someone that you can train one-on-one or one-on-three or something with and, you know, have somebody else watch your riding and give you tips, you know, to have the same, a lot of the same people and same foundation for that long and not get kind of outside opinions. At this point in his career, it's hard to say if that held him back or not, or if it was just an injuries thing. But um, for sure, that that's a long, you know, good commitment. You know, it's cool for MTF, but that is a really long time. You know, I would have definitely been, uh, you know, success or not, just burnt out and looking for something else and some other, you know, ways to elevate yourself versus staying at the same spot. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that from guys like Bogle. Pretty much almost every rider at some point, they're, they're switching their programs up, trying something different, go ride with some different guys because uh, you're always learning. So, yeah, I think I think that'd be a good thing for him. Um, and even if it don't work, you can learn. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes well, you get something yeah. fails and it's like, okay, that definitely didn't work. And so you can, yep. you know, still use that as a tool. So, I don't know, it seems like a little stagnant when you stay in it for that long. Yeah. But- Maybe you know, comfortable, you know, and, and yeah, what, what's the definition thing. of sanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting exactly. different results. So, yeah, maybe that'd be yep. something that he should think about. Uh, hey, Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's not performance you want, you've come to the right place, so check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam, and I really appreciate Andy Gregg and Guts Racing being part of this show. It means a lot to me. Uh, It's a really good company, and uh, appreciate them supporting us. Mitchell Oldenburg is the next guy I want to talk about. Um, what do you think about Mitchell, uh, Jason? Good, good kid, Freckle. He's uh, he's kind of also in the same boat as Jordan, right? Like, been on factory teams and now a little bit of privateer life, but he seems to be in a happy place. Yeah, he seems to be happy. And Steve, I believe it was Steve that brought it up, um, talking about just like toning down that raw, all-out speed that I felt like had him uh tasting the dirt yeah more often than not um i remember him back a few years ago whenever he was on the yamaha and just watching him in practice and being like holy shit he is flying and he ended up on the dirt that day um i feel like a a lot of these guys you know whenever they do lose that ride and then move to one of these privateer teams as we say um they kind of regain like, Hey, maybe I Marty not. Um, but so far with Mitchell Oldenburg, it's just kind of like, Hey, let me tone it down just a little bit right at my, you know, 80, 90% and be consistent versus just blazing all out speed and crashing. 
yeah, I think, percent of the time. I think it's really hard for those younger guys to grasp that. And Mitchell's a little bit, you know, he's a little bit more mature now. And he kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, he talked about Moto Concepts too, Clay, uh, because Steve asked him, you know, what it's, what it's about, what it's like being at Moto Concept. And I really enjoyed his response. The factory teams have been great to me, and, and I've got good relationships with all of them, but I just feel like this is more like they truly care about you and they have your best interests at heart, and they're not looking for the next guy up. I was just in my head too much when it came to that stuff as far as re-signing contracts and, and trying to keep that factory right. I was always, well, who's next? Like, who's trying to replace me kind of thing so yeah, instead yeah. of focusing on doing my job. So um, just stuff you learn through the years and – I mean, I wouldn't change any of it. I'm, I'm totally blessed and stoked at where I'm at in my life. I've said it a million times, the sense of real life the last couple of years. And and uh, although dirt bikes is my life and I want it to be my life for a long time, I know there's there's something after this for me. Man, the team's just been great to me, so I just want to repay them with some results. I feel like this year kind of opened my eyes. Like, I got I got a lot more left in the tank. Uh-huh. Um I don't know. Last year, I I rode good. I just things weren't going my way. Uh, I feel like I plateaued a lot last year, and I just couldn't go any faster on my dirt bike. Like that was that was the biggest struggle for me last year. Are you happy with the way your career's been and the way things have gone for you? Um, are you you okay right now? If you had to go build fences uh, next year, or do you feel like you left something on the table? I mean, you stood on the box, uh, something that 97% of pro racers never get to do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, where are you at, uh, Freckle? Yeah, I mean, I think you asked me this question uh, when we did the, the yeah. privateer deal uh, podcast, but uh, and I think I was okay with it then, but no, definitely not okay with it now. <laughs> um, nice. I, gosh, I just I want to win a race so bad. That's that's like the the last thing on my checklist. I feel right at this point. Clay, man, like again, right? A super open interview, just talking about hey, how those guys got in my head when I was on a factory team and thinking about who's coming next and like that stuff again being young he's he's mature now you're a little older mm-hmm. now more mature but when you're young like that there's so much put on these rookies so much pressure one year deal two year deal uh you know if you don't For perform sure. you're out you know where are you going to like man it's he didn't really get super in the detail with that, but it's it really gives you a mindset of what I would think most of these guys have to go through. Yeah, for sure. Mitchell, he's a Minnesota boy. I mean, I've been watching him since he was on 65s up here. So, um, but yeah, going through his career, it's uh, you see these kids come up and all the teams and all the factory teams, you know, they get the youngest, hottest talent that are either, you know, they shine or they blow up for two years and then they kind of get thrown to the side and, you know, off get thrown off. Um, these teams like Moto Concepts and uh, the Firepower team and Club MX that pull some of these a little bit more veteran guys that the factory teams are kind of pushing off to the side. Mm-hmm. I don't think those teams get enough credit for, you know, how much they do, you know, without pulling these dudes up to, to give them a second shot and stuff. You look at this weekend, Jordan Smith and Mitchell Oldenburg went five, six right behind Pierce Brown, RJ Hampshire, McAdoo. Um, I mean, they got a lot of speed left and as they get older, they're getting smarter and a lot of them get faster. So it's cool to see that uh, they still got good rides and that um, there's teams that are still paying them enough money to make it worth their time to do it. Absolutely. And Jason, I, I liked what he had to say about Moto Concepts. You know, like, like they, 
about them caring about him as an individual, right? I mean, it is a business, but we have seen that from Moto Concepts before. Like they they stick with their guys pretty much. Like they, Tony and, and uh, um, what's uh, God dang it, what is uh, not Janol- Genova? Yeah, Genova. I was gonna say, I was trying to say Janolfi. I knew that one right. Gen- Mike Genova. <laughs> Jeez, um, they really do like they back their guys. You're like right, even when all the crazy stuff was going on, Freeze and Christian Craig. Like man, they they go to bat for their riders. And we know that Tony uh, will do almost anything for his riders. And, you know, uh, Mitchell kind of touched on that. Like, even with the when he was working with Mike and Jeff, like, hey, he was a dad. I see that now. Like, you, he, I like Mitchell's points on Moto Concepts and how it's a family. It, it sounds like it's, they treat him as a family. And, I mean, I think that would make you feel really good to ride for a guy like that that has your back like that. Yeah, for sure. And, like... <clears throat> that just comes down to good leadership. That's how you should treat your guys. Yep. Um, you know, that are your riders. If you're their boss, your team manager, business owner, however you, they come first, uh, before you. So you go to bat to them regardless of the situation. And if, you know, if it's something that it is their fault and Hey, you know, you're there to take the blame for them. And then you're also there to, uh, make sure that they don't make that mistake again. So I think it's awesome to be able to hear that there's that kind of leadership coming out of something like that. But that should also be pretty well known, uh, just with how successful that they have been. Yeah, I agree. What do you think about Steve saying that, you know, if he gets up, moves up to the four fifties, he, he kind of sees him as a heart raft type of guy. I think that's pretty fair. That's pretty accurate. Sounds about right. Like what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be right there uh, in that realm. Uh, personally, I think he'd probably do a little bit better, uh, especially if he stays consistent with it, um, just knowing that he has that rollout speed to be able to pull out if he needs it. Um, but again, it just comes down with that consistency with it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I, I hope, you know, I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he, you know, Moto Concepts gets him on a 450. We'll see what he does. I think he is a pretty big kid, seems like, and strong. So uh, that'd be cool. And then the World Supercross sounds amazing, according to him, Clay. I think that's a spot like for a guy like him. That's going to be really good. If uh, guys like him, Kevin Moran's maybe Cade. I don't know. Some of those privateers, those those mid level guys, are going to get some pretty good opportunity. I think if they want to do that World Supercross. Oh, for sure. And it's going to be, you know, again, going back to the, you know, Mitchell's a perfect example of how a racer can evolve through his career and actually get better and more consistent and deserves a second shot at getting paid good money to actually race a dirt bike in front of a crowd. And the world supercross, I think is a good opportunity for these mid-level teams, you know, to have a promoter kind of have their back. I mean, if it pans out as good as they're, they're showing, you know, as far as paying the teams and the riders to get people there. Um, I think it'll be a really cool opportunity. And for a guy, you know, these mid-pack guys like a, a Mitchell or a Cade, it'll get them a little bit more limelight and hopefully extend their career out a little bit. It's These guys take such a risk and put so much work in. I think you see a lot of that fallout at 25, 6, 7, mm-hmm. just because you finally come to the realization, like, this sucks. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm beat up. I'm not making any money. It's costing me money. Like, this isn't fun anymore. Right. You know, so to have a place to go where a team can actually – you know, financially makes sense to keep these guys riding. I'm all for it. I think it's awesome. Good. Yeah. Good stuff, man. This is all, you know, and I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Cause like when I called in, Steve's like, Oh, you're not doing the wrap up the way I want you to blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> man, we're talking about that. We're taking the topics that Steve brings up. We're further discussing them. 
But the, the fact is that his show gets us discussing these things. Like these topics come from Steve talking about it and we're just kind of adding on and, you know, agreeing or disagreeing or they, they get us bench racing, man. That's what the Pulp Mech show does, man. Me and my buddies, we text about it. We, we sit there at the track or we're at the races or the practice track and we talk about it. Uh, it's, it's, this is what the show is all about, Steve. So I think I'm doing the wrap up show the right way. So yeah, you're killing it. Just deal. Thank you. Just deal with it. Um, (laughs) all right. I'm about to, I did not give you guys any prep for this. So you're going to go first, Clay favorite co-host of all time. And when I get to you, Jason, you can't say Kiefer because we already, that's already pretty clear. You got to give me somebody else, but you first, Clay. favorite co-host of all time. Yep. It could be a one time or a, like, you know, a Kiefer that comes all the time, or it could be, you know, I mean, like I miss Eddie Ray. I really, he's not my favorite, but I miss Eddie Ray, but it could be somebody that we haven't seen in a while. Kiefer's definitely one of the favorite regulars, mm-hmm. um, but I do love when Villapoto or Weimer are on. Okay. Those are always fun shows. All right. Just Jason. for the entertainment factor. Yeah. Jason. I'm going to have to go with uh, Jim Holly for an all time favorite. <laughs> After <laughs> last two not- ago. It's not just because of that after dark segment. Um, just he's amazing at carrying the show, the stories he has. Um, he's just all around great. Um, for a more consistent co-host, um, I wish DV would be be on more often. Mm, yeah, he's a good one. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's so many guys. Like I've made my list a few times, and then I'll I'll be like, oh, I forgot about that guy. You know, so like. Really, Steve doesn't have anybody in that's not good. Like they're good in different ways, but they all bring something different, and it really is a good mixture. Like I'm really glad that the show is not the way it was in the original early days. You know, with the same couple guys in all the time, and like I, I think. I think it's almost perfect the way it is. Um, Dark side. Wasn't, uh, did he say at the beginning of this show that Randy Richardson was supposed to be in studio? Uh, next week or the week after, I think. Well, was it? Cause I thought at the beginning of that show, he said somebody else was coming in. Not on this show. He was talking about like upcoming. Yeah. Randy's com- coming in. Coming. Yeah. Randy will be good. He's fun to listen to. I don't think Randy's in next week. I think actually he said, didn't he? I, I'm looking for my notes. I think he said who was on next week. Maybe not. But um, I think Randy's coming in four ninety nine. I think, yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Randy's always good. He's gonna he's gonna be one of the co hosts on here, the wrap up show for five hundred. He made a request for that, so that's gonna be good. So that's my next question for both of you, Clay. We already know DB and JT are in studio. Who else do you think are in studio? Is that for show five hundred? Yes. Sorry. Who else could be in the studio? Could he get Reed or Stu in? Uh, I would say Reed, yes. I would be surprised with Stu, but I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say no. I would think it's a to me for the Big Show 500. I was thinking he'd pull out either Ricky, Reed, or Stu. Yep, that was my One think, of the three thinking to too. Bring I, in. I feel like he said that Stu wasn't going to happen. I feel like I heard that somewhere, but I'm thinking mm-hmm. Ricky and Ricky and Reed are uh, uh, Chad Reed and Ricky Carmichael. That's what I'm thinking. That's kind of where you're yep. leaning to. Yep. Yeah. Jason? I'd lean on some of those guys. All right, Jason. Uh, I think it'd be absolutely amazing if he just busted out Jason Anderson. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Um, yeah, I, I. That's not going to happen. So, yeah. I would bet. A, oh, no, I'm not going to go that far. I was going to say I'd bet a paycheck that Jason never does it. 
Jason's not going to change his mind. That's where I'm at. I've talked talk to Jason off the record at a local track where he came out and did some stuff, and yeah, he's not happening. It's not. That's where I'm at. I don't see it changing. <laughs> so, but that would be awesome. I, I, yeah, I think it would be cool. If like, uh, you know, um, you said he has DV in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, if he did something like uh, McGrath and Reed. That'd be good too. Um, I could see I could see MC coming in for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I mean, I mean, you're hitting so many decades with those three guys yeah. right there. It would be mind blowing. I think I just need to buy a flight to Vegas that weekend and just knock on the door. <laughs> Here, bro. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to be in studio for that so freaking bad. All right, let's get back to to this episode 497 Chris Betts we touched on him baseball guy man noted meat stealer apparently that's how he's being introduced as a noted meat stealer that's <laughs> look they talked about a lot of baseball stuff I'm not a baseball guy I don't know who any of these guys are that hurt themselves on dirt bikes that play baseball but it's kind of funny Clay I mean like these major league baseball players like yeah, I mean, think about like back in the day, right? When McGrath was doing all these, you know, all this stuff on the side, and then Team Honda was like, "Oh, you can't do that anymore." Like these guys are multi, multi, multi million dollar players, and they're getting hurt on dirt bikes. Their team—I can't even imagine what I goes know, through their teams. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, it's crazy. The baseball talk, talk's kind of fun. The one thing I had noted down from Betts after he came in and started talking, I got to try a different goggle lens. Oh yeah, yeah, right. That dude was like over the moon about the polarized to the prism lens. So yeah. I made note, like I whatever the prism lens things is, I gotta find me a set and try it because evidently, uh, Bet says it's the best thing ever. Yeah, I did the same exact thing because I, I've <laughs> always had polarized, and then once I started flying planes, that the polarized lens makes the GPS screen black out, and I was like, well, shit. That would be cool, but like wow. if it works that well playing baseball, like it should work that much better on a track. Yeah, I need yeah. to look into what the prism lens actually is because I mean that's just like what they call a particular, you know, that, that's Oakley's version of something. So I yeah. need to see what that is exactly. I don't. I'm an X brand guy. The other goggle manufacturers have it. Yeah, yeah. Or something similar to that technology. So, yeah, yeah. Today, that's one of my main takeaways I had from there is that evidently I'm using the wrong lens as well. So, <laughs> Chris Betts taught you something. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and then of course his thoughts on Dylan were pretty funny. Uh, super fan, Eli, super fan, Dylan, like. Poor, Bet's really, I get the vibe, Jason, that Bet's really does not like Dylan, man. And Dylan's a cool kid, dude. He's fine. He's just a super fan, man. He is so passionate. He's overly passionate, but who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can see both sides to that. A lot of people uh, don't yeah. like Dylan, man. I know that. So you may be on board with that, but I don't know. I'm in the middle of the road. I can understand the whole entire super fan thing, but um, I, I've never been one to be like a hundred percent super fan of anyone. Yeah. So I can I can see bet side. And while we are on the bet subject, I will say Steve gets him a lot of shit about the whole entire meat tomahawk steak controversy um, and steak gate. But Bets and I have done business, and he has never done grill your ass off wrong, and he has been an amazing customer. Awesome. I love to hear. It. Yeah, Bets man, Bets did the right thing. That's just Steve being Steve. Like, you know, Chris was willing to pay and offered to pay and I think did pay for some stuff as far as I believe, I know. So yeah, whatever, man. This guy wants to I don't know. 
I'll say the same thing back for Steve too, because there's been times I've I've hopped on and I've seen Steve place an order and I sent him a text like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Well, he did say we got we got to get you pushing it because he needs some more, right? That's what he said uh, yeah. Monday night. So I was supposed to get some stuff when I was out there last. He was, I asked for one of those, um, one of your trial package packets, or you know, that has, mm-hmm. and he forgot to give it to me before I left. I forgot to get it. So yeah, well, uh, you need. When are you going to get your bike? Uh, that's kind of up in the air right now. So this Kiefer is supposed to, supposed to send the suspension. That is hard to say. Supposed to send the suspension to clay. I don't know if that's happened yet. I need to text Chris. Uh, I've not seen it yet. Yeah. I bet he hasn't done it, but clay's going to, uh, do the suspension for me and coat the forks and then send it back to Chris. And then I have to schedule a flight out there to go ride. So I would say a couple months, honestly. Okay, because as soon as you have it here in Texas, let me know and we can go out and ride. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do that. I'll have to come down to Three Palms for sure. Yeah. We'll, yeah, well, uh, do, you, do you know where Lone Star MX is? I don't. Uh, it's the one in uh, Belton, Texas. I oh, okay. literally live like uh, a half mile down the street from it. Nice. Okay, yeah, we'll make that happen, man. Definitely. Uh, I'm working on it. A lot of people have been asked me about the, when I'm going to get the bike or if I, like, if I'm still getting it, they're like, Oh, you're not going to get it now. It's, it's coming guys. It's just, dude, I, I got to fly out there and I am broke. I just bought a new truck. Dude, it's 2022. Everything takes like three times longer than it's supposed to. Yeah. Well, it really just comes down to financial <laughs> shit for me, man. I mean, I can't, I, you know, I just, I can't afford to fly out there right now. We're, we're going to get it done though. It's happening. Michelin Bicycle Tires. You guys know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires, the Starcross Vies from Pulp MX. Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of this Pulp MX wrap-up show. And in 1891, a little bit before I was born, Michelin patented the first detachable B pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium-finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for more info on all the de- more Jesus Christ, it's bad for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, including the Wild Enduro, the E Wild, the XC- Jet XCR Power Road for your road road riders. Man, I have the BMX tires. I have the wild enduro on my mountain bike i got to get back into riding those things they are fantastic and we love supporting randy richardson a few more things to talk about guys we're getting we're getting close to the end of this wrap-up show lars lindstrom i did not cut any audio from this but this thing was full of information what what was your biggest takeaway clay from lars anything stand out for you Oh, not too much. It was good just kind of hearing the background and yeah. them talking about Kenny. And it was interesting, uh, you know, the conversation about uh, Kenny's bike being empty and the different tactics with Honda that, you know, they don't really need to fill the position. You know, I found that interesting or, you know, just kind of cool here in the background. Yeah, uh, I did too. You know, he mentioned talk on that, that it doesn't, you know, like with it, Honda doesn't care. You know, they yeah. got their two fast guys and they don't need a guy out there yep, no that's going to run around in 10th. You know, right. like they got their one fast guy and like Honda's cool with that and just the different workings at a factory level versus like a private team. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was interesting. I kind of knew that with them already because they don't have a title sponsor that needs two bikes out there or whatever. But yep. when Steve asked him about, oh, let's put maybe put somebody on it for the Yamaha LCQ Challenge race in Denver, and he brought up John Short, I instantly texted John. I was like, dude, call Lars, call Lars, call Lars. <laughs> yeah. Like, not even just for the LCQ, just 
put your freaking name in front of him over and over and over, yeah. you know, and get, you know, so wear him out, annoy the shit out of him. Maybe he'll put you on the damn bike, you know, probably not, it, but shit. I think it'd be more for a, it'd be fun as a fan thing. It's like, okay, Kenny's not using the bike. Yeah. Like if there was an open guy, like a Kate or somebody that you could, it's like, it'd just be cool to see like what somebody else's impression would be. I mean, that's them and Kawi. I mean, those top, top factory level teams. I mean, that is the dream bike, like to ride. That's what everybody does. So, you know, to get somebody that's good with public relations and be like, here, we're going to let you do two and then just go talk to the media just to get like an experience thing from a fan standpoint. Oh, it'd be awesome. But I can understand why they don't even bother. Yeah. Like, I don't even feel like you'd have to, Jason, I don't feel like you'd have to pay, uh, John Short very much like pay for his fucking flights his his you know his his hotel let him have if you make you let him make his the same thing he makes with his basically his privateer shit now you know give him his his purse and just put him on the bike like it really the bike's already there the team's already there why not yeah I mean you really have nothing to lose uh, look you know Yamaha did that with a Ray. Uh, they did it with Christian Craig. They did it with, um, got a draw on a blank, um, Freddie Noren. Mm-hmm. Uh, like these teams have done it. So, um, why not? But I do appreciate the transparency of him saying like, Hey, we have our fast guys. We don't need to. Yeah, exactly. You're right. I mean, um, at least yeah, he's not beating around the bush about it. Right. He explained it and it, at least we understand it. Yeah. Because and it, it was cool hearing his transparency on, not just the fact of, hey, we have our fast guys, but, hey, it takes a lot of damn work to be able to set someone up uh, completely brand new on one of these factory-level bikes. Right. Yeah, that's true. How about him kind of coming into the conversation? Betts is still on the line, or maybe Betts has just gotten off the line, but t- kind of joking about, oh, it'd be interesting to put him out there in a, you know the mud race. Like, he played along. <laughs> he wasn't, no, no, he wouldn't do that. Uh, he kind of says, I've heard about that, so I don't get the vibe that Lars is a hardcore pulp listener. But he was playing along, Jason, and, and it made me kind of feel like, oh, God, just like the John Short thing. Like, what? I know it's not going to happen, but I could fantasize about it a little bit more with him going, oh, that's interesting. I, I mean, if it did happen, I'd be totally down to be a sponsor of that. <laughs> we have to get him his license, though. Like, I mean, how's he going to get a Supercross license, right? I mean, I think that would just be good for like a uh, a vlog on YouTube. Yeah, like we 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 go find a track, yeah. um, a muddy track somewhere, and just let him do it. Yeah, even if it's not on a factory bike. Um, no, it has to be the factory we'll, bike. It has to be the factory bike, man. If Lars will let it happen, um, I mean, I, Chris can't mess up the bike that bad. <laughs> no, he's not going to jump anything, probably well, unless he just whiskeys and launches it off a of, you know the face of a jump or something. But we're just going to have to put him underneath the alias so his uh, baseball team doesn't get mad. Right, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, Clay, this one's for you, man. Uh, the race tech rant. Use pulp code twenty two to save. Before we get into it, give us a little background on you, man. You're obviously race tech, a big sponsor of Pulp Mex. You run, you own PDR uh, Performance, which is the race tech support uh, in Minneapolis. Yep, yep. We're the kind of the main race tech center for up uh, north part of the country here. We do a lot Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Iowa uh, with Checkers. I've known Checkers for a number of years. He's actually a Minnesota guy. Lives. Yep. 
like 25 minutes away from me. So I uh, get to do a lot back and forth locally with checkers supporting the crew up here and race tech as a company has just been unbelievable to work for when I s- decided to take this jump and kind of get into the industry. And um, I got in with those guys and to see the growth from when I first started to where they're at now, um, just with Rob and uh, Andrew and, the crew that they've got over there, um, you know, they kind of do the work on the R and D side and we just got to make sure that, uh, we get all the stuff installed properly and use the technology. Right. And it's, uh, it works awesome. We have a lot of good luck with it. A lot of happy customers. Fantastic. Well, I, I appreciate race tech's involvement in pulp mix and possibly another podcast that I'm not even going to mention the name of tonight, but they are part of another or maybe other part podcasts, but we appreciate race tech being involved. All right. The race tech rant was the official race tech rant was about Logan Carr now and his separation from his sponsor. Let's listen. I, I, I don't know MotoZone, his old sponsor at all. I know people in Ohio who told me they don't know anything about MotoZone. And I know people in Ohio have told me they don't know any rider that MotoZone has supported before car now shit went sideways shit goes sideways in this sport with sponsors and teams you don't have the money you can't do what you promise i get it all this stuff happened to Carnell, and that's shitty for logan but and i just know logan's side of the sport or story i don't know the other side of the sport story but i went on moto zones uh instagram and they told me that the rider breached his contract i followed up with logan logan's like i don't know I, I don't know what I did. And then there was another post by MotoZone about, uh, we're going to elaborate. We're going to tell you this more. Due to, due to demand, there's more to the story. And if you go to our website, you'll see more of the story. And I went to the website because, I mean, I want to hear both sides. There was no more to the story. MotoZone told us nothing else about this. So if you ran out of money, MotoZone, that's fine. Just tell the guy you're helping i ran out of money i can't do what i've told what i told you to do what can we do to make this right and you try to be professional about it like the whole thing is really shitty of moto zone to do this that's my race tech rant of the night because there's more to the story than even what i'm telling you i don't know if carnell wants it out there but this moto zone dude is fucking him over you just ran out of money you bit off more than you can chew and that's it don't be an asshole about it. Fuck, man. Like, this this kid, you're, you you made the, you made a promise of all the fucking things you were going to do for him. And not even halfway through the Supercross series, you pull out. You give us no reasons why. You don't explain what happened. You tell us you're going to explain it. But then you don't. My people in Ohio never heard of you. My people in Ohio said you never helped out any other racers. And now you fucked over one of the more popular privateers in the sport. Good luck trying to help out another person in the sport because everyone will see what you did with Carnell and they'll be like, yeah, fuck MotoZone. I want anything to do with him. And if there is MotoZone, the zone with Moto, <laughs> I would rewind to the offseason when this guy gave Carnell an offer with zero history in the sport and he gave Carnell an offer that was pretty fucking good. And I, if I'm Carnell, I might be calling some people. Obviously, he didn't. He's a privateer. He was stoked on the deal. You know, he took he took a deal that yeah. was unbelievable. It was too good to be true, and it was. Yeah. And again, just fucking be, you know, just be honest. All right. This one, may, if you guys know me at all, the Race Tech Rant is usually my favorite segment. It gives me something to laugh at. It gives me something to jump on board with usually. 
this one hurts a little bit, man, because I like Logan a lot. Same Steve pisses Steve off too. Logan's a good kid, and I do agree that you know he's a little young, but he probably should have done some background checking, Jason, a little bit if it was too good to be true. But I mean, I, I can't argue with anything Steve said. I mean, it's bullshit. It sucks. But it's not the first time we've seen this in this industry. But man, I hate it for Logan. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's sad that things like that go on. Um, you know, just like we were talking about Moto Concepts earlier, um, it sounds like uh, they just have a bad leader at that business. Like, you know, at the end of the day, transparency is everything and being honest. Um, and like Steve said, it's not that hard. If you're out of money, uh, pick up the phone and call the guy. Yeah. Will he be pissed off? Will he be bummed? Yes, but will shit escalate to this point right here? And at the end of the day, like, if you are transparent, you know, you can go to go to sleep feeling comfortable and not have to worry about us talking about it on this kind of a podcast. Um, yeah. I'm glad that Steve blew the guy out. Yeah. And you know, uh, hopefully uh, some transparency will come from it. I doubt anything will, but uh, that is one of the good things about Steve is he'll blow him out whenever it's needed. Uh, agreed. Clay, anything to put in? Well, it kind of shows how stupid this guy is. Like you take a, Logan Carnell was pretty popular. Like a bunch of people know him. He's talked about on fan Paul fantasy. Like that's the reason that whoever this dude is probably wanted to pick him up in the first place. And they make it half through the way through the year. And you not only fall through on your deal, which whatever, like totally you run out of money. Like Steve said, whatever, no big deal. You're, you're up front. Hey dude, this is what happened. Like everybody can live with that, but to just screw somebody over and you know that this is like a popular rider, like what are you doing? just yeah. shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, the guy's obviously not all that bright. I went on his Instagram just to look and they have 660 followers on Instagram. <laughs> okay. So I don't even I know like, yeah. if it's a dealer, if it's a, you know, and it's a, like, on Logan's side, like, okay, who is this dude? Like, where's the money yeah, coming come from? from? Yeah. You know, it's like, I've worked with teams before. It's like, if you've got a bunch of money and you love the sport, you know, the quickest way to make a million is to start with two or three in moto. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you're yeah. not, yes, yes, yes. you know yes. what I mean? So it's yeah. like, if this dude had a little bit of money, he's like, oh, we're going to jump into it. And then he quickly realized like, well, shit, you don't make any money doing this. And then just pulled the rug out. It's like, well, that's shitty. But this dude's an idiot for thinking that that's how the sport worked. I agree. So, I, you know, it's like, I'd wish it'd be cool to know or interesting to know, like, you know, the other background, but obviously this guy was kind of a joke to begin with. If, if he made it that far and, you yep. know, sounds that way. There's a, a second unofficial rant. I'm going to call it race tech rant too. I think actually Kellen called it 2.0. Let's just listen. This one, this one hits home for me last week when, Kiefer had the driving the brought up the driving and the, the guys, you know, the 18 wheelers need to get out of the way. And Steve kind of went off. That one was like, that's my bread and butter, man. That was, that's a long time complaint. I kind of came unglued on the same topic. And this next one, I feel the same way about let's listen. I can't believe these guys like, like they're just motocrossers. Okay. And that's great. They're amazing on a dirt bike. That's is an amazing baseball player. I'm good at podcasting. So we're all good at something. What experiences would they have in life to motivate people or to tell them which way to do things? And then on top of that, their spelling is atrocious. They don't know your and theirs and any, like, so to me, if you don't know yours and theirs and a proper way to use those terms, you're not that smart. That's all. Well, 
That's all I'm saying. You're not that smart. When you're telling people how to live life and you can't use the words properly, that tells me I don't want to live the life that you tell me to. Not all of them really have all of the life experience that they should have to be giving life advice. I agree with you on that. However, all these people that follow these athletes or these riders like them because of their choices in life and things that they did, whether they said like F the system, I'm doing this or whatever it is. Don't or they just um, like them on the track. Not like always, not always, okay. you know, uh, look at like the Craig's right now, for example, people like their family vibe and the things that they do as okay. a family. And they can't even take the time to Google how to use the word. But are, we just, their... are we just living in a world of morons? Okay. Let me clarify before we get going on this. My, rant my issue is the grammatical side i don't really care if some guy that has very little life experience tries to give life advice i i just don't that i don't care about but the grammatical side clay dude it fucking fries my brain i, I am a grammar nazi hopefully that's not politically incorrect I, my co-host tj we're in all these different group texts and I'm constantly like, are you a fucking idiot? Like he literally, this is, he was flying out of Detroit the other night and he typed like goodbye Detroit. And it was G O O D space B Y space. I'm like, are you fucking for real? Like you can't spell. <laughs> and then the two T W O T O O T O the different there's the U R the your, like I cannot fucking handle people that have bad grammar it drives me insane i i told tj we were having this talk yesterday because he he heard that segment on this segment that we just played and he's like i can't believe you didn't text me and start you know giving me shit and I'm like i just can't with you anymore it, it, but it does sort of make me think a little less of a person when they don't know their grammar i fucking man it drives me but let me say this Steve, when you say also to, also to, those fucking words are the same word. Also and to, T-O-O, are exactly the same word. Yeah. It's like saying, I went over there also, also. Stop saying also too, Steve. <laughs> Go ahead, any no. play. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, It was an interesting rant, a you know, I'm totally on board with them. It's like the, you know, fanfare of people getting life advice from people that they see online to me is like crazy. Um, you know, and then the, the grammatical stuff, I'm, I usually read through everything that I type or text and I always try to watch it just because if you get a message or you see somebody just ranting on somebody's, you know, normally it's in the comment section. Someone just goes, you know, all crazy and they're put a storybook on there yeah. and then you read through their comment and half of it's like the grammar's wrong. The spelling screwed up no and periods. you immediately just go, yeah. And you immediately go, okay, this person's an idiot. Like, you can't even take them seriously. So I'm usually pretty careful on the grammar thing, uh, but it doesn't wind me up like a ton. It does. But, me. Uh, you, uh, it, at the same point, it's like, you see it and you do look at, it, it's like, okay, that person's really not that smart. Right. Yeah. TJ always, Jason, TJ always says, well, I, I speak to text and sometimes it doesn't get it right. I'm like, yeah, when you say goodbye, Detroit, you didn't speak the text that the fucking phone <laughs> is smart enough to know better. But anyway, Jason, hopefully you don't say, yeah, I, I, hopefully you don't use bad grammar and think I'm calling you an asshole. But anyway, where do you fall on this? 
No, I, I'm in. Uh, so I can speak truly to this because I graduated high school on the minimum plan with all C's and D's. I gave <laughs> shit about school. Okay. I dropped out of college twice. Uh, I joined the, uh, you know, I was in the infantry. I was just a dumb grunt, but yeah. Jesus, I know how to use Google. I know how to use talk to text. I know how to use Grammarly. Um, just fucking read what you write before you hit the send button. Well, that's it's a, not that like a self pride thing. Like you just, <laughs> you don't want to look like an idiot. Like to right. me, it's like, it, it's how other people like look at you, you know, especially these people that are like public figures. You would think they would go, geez, I got to make sure like all this stuff's buttoned up good before I go blasting this out there. Cause I don't want to look like an idiot. And so when you know, people are looking at it, you look even dumber. The problem is, oh, no. I think people legitimately don't know the difference in T-H-E-R-E and T-H-I-R or Y-O-U-R, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. I legitimately think they do not know the difference. You're about to say something, Jason. Uh, I was going to say, like, uh, to Clay's point, like, whenever (laughs) – you know, I'm proofing an email that one of my guys wrote out and we're going to send it out to, you know, over a hundred thousand people. Like it better be fucking correct. Right. <laughs> so I, I, like, I, I'm that last focal point of the business. Like if it goes out, like I'm going to look like a giant fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> I get your, I get your, your point, emails. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it, like to your point, dark side, like, uh, there'll be times where, you know, I'm power writing the email because I'm pissed off and I'll fuck it up. But guess what? I have Grammarly that will correct me. Yeah, if it's you, wrong. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, I proofread it before I hit send. So, like, it, it, nowadays, age just kind of like you, when you know, whenever your teacher told you, well, you're not always going to have a calculator. Like, that's not the case anymore. No, nope, you were. Yeah, you were wrong, teach. You know yeah. what's worse? So. The worst is actually when you get it from emails, because when I'm writing an email, the damn thing turns the letters red if it's fucked up. Right. Yeah. Like yep. you can't, if you send an email and there's red all over it, your shit's not right. Like yeah. go through the email until all the red and blue goes away. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's like, that easy. There's words like definitely. I never spell that word right. So thank God for spell check on your phone because it's, that's a word that I fuck up every time but i definitely i know that i mess that word up so i'm like i'm cautious of it but anyway all right let's move on i grammar yeah grammar and drivers blocking the passing lane those two things will make me lose my shit um i was going to talk about tom brady but i think we're going to skip the tom brady discussion i think steve's off though on that just that's just briefly i think he's he's who cares the guy, the guy, if we're gonna skip you know, that, no, we're getting into it. I'm already talking about it. He, look, <laughs> he thought he wanted to retire. And he changed his mind, Steve. Not that big of a deal. Where are you at, Jason? Because I feel like you got an opinion. Uh, I'm in the same boat. <clears throat> like, eh, out of all people who would possibly need a PR stunt, it's not Tom Brady. Very like true. That, that yeah. dude is well beyond set. And if he really wanted a PR stunt, he'd probably pull a Kardashian and come out with the sex tape. Now, wait, his point, though, he said he heard the rumor that Tom wanted to go to the Niners, and I like that rumor, being a Niners fan, and I know that he grew up a Niners fan. He loved Joe Montana. So that actually makes sense. And if that's the reason he did it, it's a little, a little, uh, not shady, but greasy, I guess is the word Steve uses, a little greasy. But 
if that's what he was trying to do and he wanted to close his con, you know, I'm okay with it if he wanted to go to the Niners. I'm okay at that point. But other than that, I don't really care. He changed his mind. Uh, Clay, do you have an opinion? Uh, I thought it was cool he was coming back. I mean, it, the dude's the goat, so he, is. You know, he decides he's going to re- retire, and he goes, I don't want to play again. Like, who's going to say, no, you said you were going to retire. Like, yeah. the dude's coming back, you know? So I think it's kind of cool. It did make a pretty damn funny meme I laughed at on Facebook of some dude with a straight face, and it had the caption, uh, the look you make when you pay 500 k for Tom Brady's last touchdown. Oh, ball. yeah, I saw that. <laughs> did yeah, you see that? I, I was did. like, oh. Uh, that's spot on right yeah, there. That ball just went <laughs> went to be worth nothing. <laughs> was, yeah, but, yeah. No, overall, like I don't know. I'm not a huge football guy, but okay. um, that uh, you know, a few years ago, it's like ah, you don't want to see Tom Brady win, and now that he's like the old vet guy, I mean, he's it feels like he's almost like the Chad Reed kind of of football, where it's <laughs> yeah. like he's gotten to be such a veteran. Like everybody that didn't like Chad Reed before, like his last couple of years, everyone loved Chad Reed. Right. So right. I feel like, it, you know, Brady, he's going to have the haters, but at a certain point, it's like, he's just so damn good. It'll be cool just to see how much longer he can dominate. Yeah. I just wish he was doing it for the Niners. Those who ride yep. dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. A few more things to touch on. The Motorsport Tweet at Talon segment. Uh, Yar Yar was not allowed in. I got the feeling that Talon... Man, he was he wasn't like super fired up about Yar Yar Monday night. And I don't know what that's about. I need some more details. But we're gonna skip over that right now since we have no details. Uh we found out though why Steve hates the jackets on parade lap. And Jason, not a, you know, okay, it was a personal thing, man. He had he had to hold a couple of jackets. A couple of jackets got stolen. Uh now at least I didn't know previously why he hated the jackets. Fair enough. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, it's just funny. Yeah, I just think it's it's funny and just Steve having a moment. But it's something again. It's some weird little thing. We go like if you have Twitter, you jump on his Twitter every Saturday morning. You know he's going to go. I pooped my pants or I pooped them. Supercross, Supercross, Supercross. That's going to be a tweet every Saturday morning and Saturday night. How many jackets? Like it's just a thing now, and it's so stupid. <laughs> But it's something as a fan I'm looking for. Like if I don't get I pooped them or how many no, zero jackets, five jackets, I'm like, what the fuck, Steve? Where are you at, man? So just just part of Pulp Mix lore now. Coming from the mechanics side, yep. I've only done it. I've done it a handful of times for you know some riders and stuff, and super fun. But coming from the mechanics side, I totally get his side of it. It's yeah, like oh, yeah, you got all this stuff you're doing, and sometimes these riders are just a pain in the ass. Prima, prima donnas, like bro, just go out, do your damn sight lap, and race. Like it's not that cold; you'll be fine. Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> couple more things. My call. I called in right off the bat. I was not prepared for his question about like why I was so passionate about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I don't know that I'm super passionate about it. I had reposted something that Eddie Trunk had posted about Dolly Parton who got nominated and she declined because she said, I'm not rock and roll. I don't feel like I should be part of it. There's lots of people that probably deserve it more than me. I thought that was cool. 
because there are a lot of people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that are not rock and roll. It's kind of a joke. There are bands, I don't know if either of you even care, but there are bands like Thin Lizzy, Bad Company, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Motley Crue, Meatloaf, who just passed away. Meatloaf literally has the top number five top-selling album of all time with Bad Out of Hell, and he's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but yet Dolly Parton gets nominated, Run DMC, LL Cool J, uh, multiple other people that just don't fit that bill. And I, 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 it wasn't meant to be a topic on the show. It's just something I reposted, and as usual, Steve has some kind of weird issue with. But uh, that was the explanation for anybody that gives a shit. Uh, do either of you give a shit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I guess I didn't originally until you said that, because that is really stupid. Yeah, there's that a lot Lee of... Wolf and the other guys that aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but LL Cool J, cool J is. Yeah, there's a lot so, of artists that should be, that it's really ridiculous that they've been I'm overlooked. I'm not passionate about it, yeah. but if I was, that would really piss me off. Well, like my point, I think I, I don't know that I said it Monday night. I think I said it to Steve when we were talking. I was like, you know... There's a country hall of fame. Metallica's not getting in there. You know, it's not going to happen, yeah. right? They're not hip hop or, or they're not country. There's a, you know, whatever they're. So why are these people in the rock and roll hall of fame? Now, Dolly saying I decline is kind of rock and roll. Like, no, I'm out. I'm not like, I was like, that's cool. She, she rebelled a little bit. So I kind of dug it. But anyway, that's what that was about. Jason, do you have any thoughts? Any, any, do you even care? Uh, I mean, I think it's more valid statement than the, um, Tom Brady. <laughs> awesome thank you i like it and i want to say i appreciate kellen having my back on the wrap-up because steve man i don't i'm not even gonna get into the the, the decisions on the wrap-up show i feel like this thing is getting better every week and people more and more people are reaching out that they listen and like it so i think we're doing something right and as long as the sponsor dollars are coming in can't clip me steve we're good to go we're rocking and rolling we got to get grill your ass off on board though Hey, uh, so speaking of that, I was thinking, um, you know, if all we need to do is get you out to California to get this dirt bike rolling, why don't, um, you know, maybe grill your ass off and sponsor the plane flight, and then uh, Randy Richardson can step up and bump you up to first class. Oh, I like it. Okay. Well, so, well, let's talk. I, know, I know Randy's about to uh, be on the show, so I'll uh, I'll call him out. Um, if he'll uh, bump you up to first class, I'll, I'll book the plane flight for you. Nice. I like it. All right. We'll, we'll talk off air about that. Yeah. Like I said, we got to wait till the suspension suspension gets back, but I'm uh, dude. I, I, I like that idea a whole lot. All right. <laughs> let's move on. Um, two more things. Uh, let's see the Steve racing, the fairgrounds. That was probably my favorite story of the night. Clay, him taking Birdwell's bike in 97 to, you know, a, a fairground race in Minnesota and racing and selling some yeah. Pirelli tar- tires. That was a good story. That's that's classic Pulpomex shit. You're not going to get that anywhere else. Yeah, and I was listening to it in the shop that night. Yeah. Uh, or I think it was last night or whatever. And uh, the first thing me and Trish looked at each other, were like, which fairground was it? Because it had to have been somewhere <laughs> up here. Remember. So it's like, it was Little Falls. And so I'm like, I was hoping he would remember because they still, it's like, that's the big summer thing in Minnesota yeah. is the little fair races. And it was uh, back, God, it was years ago. And uh, Alessi's were still amateurs. They were actually training in Minnesota. And then dude spent the whole summer just cleaning house <laughs> on all the amateurs at yeah. the fair race. Because all the fair races, they'll put like a three thousand or four thousand dollar 
you know, pro person. So Jeff and Mike went and just like cleaned house at every fair race in the entire state. One, day. I love it. That's but good yeah, stuff. his story on, uh, it was just kind of a cool throwback. Cause that's, uh, definitely something we hit up hard in the summer. Yeah. We have a lot of people that do. I enjoy those stories of him on the road, you know, and, and you know, I think there's probably a, probably a bunch he hasn't told on the, the air that maybe if, if he just took the time to sit down and think about all the different things he did, I think we could get, like a, a lot of good podcasts on that kind of stuff. So maybe in the future we'll get some more out of Steve on that. Last thing, Jason, uh, they asked, I think it was during X brand. I'm pretty sure Steve's favorite racer X part-time employee. He couldn't think of one a little butthurt about that. Cause I mean, technically I'm writing articles for racer X now and I am getting paid. Um, I'm not full-time. So that makes me part-time. Steve didn't think of me there, Jason, but that, uh, but that led into Weege because Kellen said Weege was his favorite guy. You know, he learned a lot from Weege. And they talked about Weege talking to everybody when he walks through the pits. And I love that because it, one, that's how you just should be as a human, man. That's what our sport is, man. We go through the pits. We find people that are passionate. That's what these shows are. We're talking to people that are passionate about the sport. And the fact that Steve is so antisocial with people he doesn't know is it drives it bugs me a little bit, and I love that Weege is the way he is. So I thought that was really great. Yeah, and to speak on that, uh, you know, obviously uh, I've met both of them in person and talked with them. Mm-hmm. And the first time I met Weege, um, like this was before Grill Your Ass Off, I ran into him at a Supercross, and he just—I mean, we probably had a 15, 20 minute conversation. And uh, just last year, I was at Bud's Creek with the VetMX guys. And uh, I mean, we'd probably talk for about an hour on the infield That's cool. um, of Bud's Creek and just bullshitted. Um, and, you know, me and Steve probably talked about 15, 20 minutes uh, over by the press booth. Um, but yeah, no, it, every interaction I've had with Weed has been absolutely amazing. Uh, and he lives up to what everyone talks about. 100%. All right, guys. I think that's a wrap for this episode. 497 um before we well let me thank the sponsors again motorsport.com guts racing michelin bicycle tires seal savers along with all the other sponsors of pulp mix including grill your ass off race tech x brand fly racing etc 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 go to the sponsor deal tabs on pulpmixshow.com click on the sponsor deal tabs use those sponsors use those links and if you want to get stuff from motorsport don't forget to use the widget on pulpmex and pulpmexshow.com so steve gets a little cut of that and they keep sponsoring the shows use those sponsors use those discounts if you don't see a discount code there use the contact form on pulpmexshow.com ask steve and he'll try to help you out he's really good about you know trying to get deals for you guys and uh, he's done plenty of stuff for me including stuff with a wrench rabbit etc uh, before we go, Clay, anything we missed that uh, you want to talk about? Mm, I think we're good. I think we hit everything. Jason, anything? On my list. No, sir. Uh, we're good. Well, I appreciate the both of you coming on. Uh, first timers, I think it was really good. A lot of fun. And we definitely got to get you guys back on again. But other than that, that's a wrap. We are out. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?
心。